Welcome to this episode of the Erasing Shame podcast. My name is DJ Chuang, and I'm joined by a therapist, Linda Yoon, with the Yellow Chair Collective. And content warning: we're going to be talking about the topic of domestic violence, as it is the month of October, and that is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And this is also related to family violence. And so we're going to raise some awareness about that, learn some things of what you can do to protect yourself and what to do if you know someone that you love or care about is in that kind of situation, how they can reach out for help. Linda, thank you for joining me on Erasing Shame. Thank you for having me. Now, in my own family of origin and in my own marriage and with my child, we don't experience violence, at least not in the physical sense. And I don't think we experience it in the traumatic sense either, or emotional sense per se. So I'm not sure how to talk about it. So, But yet, I know it's a real issue for a significant number of people. I see when police make house calls that often is to intervene on behalf of someone experiencing domestic violence. And even in churches, there are people that experience abuse at home. So what um, insights or help can you share about these situations? Yeah. Yes. Domestic violence, family violence, those are very heavy topics. And many don't know how to talk about it. And that's also why we need to talk about it because it happens more than we realize and in my counseling practice um, my own personal life I did experience uh, witnessed domestic violence um, and family violence and becoming a social worker and work as a therapist I am just encountering so many uh, trauma stories of this violence intergenerational uh, violence, trauma, that um, that is a lot more than people will expect. And it's very secretive, right? It takes um, so much courage, so much for them to be able to speak out because it's, we are taught to, uh, we are taught that those are not something uh, we can talk about. It's very shameful, right? Uh, so I hope to talk about uh, shine some light on um, family violence, domestic violence in America, especially within Asian American communities, and also um, the bar- like why the barriers, and um, also share some resources, and uh, perhaps we can also t- touch on what church you know what can do uh, because my story also takes. Um, church and my pastors who did not know how to intervene, who did not know what to do with my family when they were uh, informed of what was happening in my household. Mm. Sometimes the violence happens and the threat is you cannot tell anybody because if you do, then you'll get hurt even more. Definitely. Um, It's definitely about power um, and control. When there is a violence within family or partners, it's about power. Like what one partner, or it could be, it's not always clean cut. It could also be kind of like 
both and uh, creating some kind of violence as well. But it is ultimately about power and control, uh, wanting to uh, control the other person to do what they want them to do. Um, and when that doesn't happen, right, like perpetrators do not want you to be saying this out loud uh, to other uh, people, right? Um, and I, I witnessed it in immigrant church community when there's domestic violence happen, but it's like, it's it's a shameful thing to talk about. So uh, the, the abuser make a lot of threats about if you make it known, um, if you say anything, uh, they, uh, that they will come back with more violence. And unfortunately, I have witnessed that uh, in domestic violence shelters that I volunteered and worked in before. Um, it It is very risky for a lot of uh, victims to um, leave uh, the relationship or the family because they know their abuser is capable of coming back and hurting you more. Yeah. Wow. I, I can tell it's such an emotional topic as a helper and then also from your life experience. So what can a victim do? Because the abuser holds so much power and often the victim doesn't have the resources to get out. And I suppose if they do, then they could or would get out. But it, maybe it's not that simple. It's it's very complicated. Um, just to relate to my personal uh, family story, I so there was already domestic violence between my mom and dad, and then there also family violence where my parents also uh, became violent, abusive at time to time with me and my sister. But mainly what we witnessed most violence was between them. And my mom, who was pretty educated uh, and pretty independent before she met my uh, my dad. Uh, and well, unfortunately, uh, my dad's desire to control, like not just even desire, it's just almost like need to control my mom and then um, the family that often led to violence. So like we wouldn't know what would set him off. Like it could be something like I didn't do my homework to, you know, something little to that. Like we are uh, making some kind of decision against his will. Uh, it, uh, and I, uh, and in Korea, there wasn't any, so I, I grew up in Korea for, uh, for, um, first 11 years of my life in Korea like it felt like it was it happened more uh and I know my mom wasn't the only one who was experiencing that uh so it felt and there wasn't any help at that time back in 80s and 90s people are talking about it but there's not much help like where do you even go and you know Asia is such a collective society it's all about saving face so um having experiencing something like that it's almost like you're uh you're um you're bringing shame to the family that you're experiencing your victim 
right? So victims cannot say anything to protect the family and also protect. Um, I think my mom was also trying to protect me and my sister. It doesn't. It doesn't have a good look that you know your father is an abuser, right? Um, and when we moved to U.S., things got a little bit more worse because now we don't speak the language, we don't have resources, and uh, my dad also started to kind of threaten that it because we all knew, like in our hearts, that this is a crime, right? This is illegal. Uh, this should not be happening. That if if people found out or called the law enforcement, then it will be um, because my dad is a person who brought us. He was um, he had a sponsor from his company, and then that's how we moved to US. That that means that we will all get kicked out of from the US, and you know we will be this this criminal sent back, you know, uh, and that we will not, like, he made a very dramatic narrative to us that we will never find a job, you know, we will be shamed from the society, that is a secret that we have to keep as a family, even as a victims too, because you will, um, yeah, otherwise that we don't have, you know, in a mm-hmm. way, otherwise you don't, we don't have future, and no, coming mm-hmm. from collective society, that that can feel really real, like you, um, people's judgment, people, how people see you, even you, it's not your fault, even you're the victim, like there's so much shame in it, so. Yeah, it's hard to tell if he was telling the truth. But not, yeah, especially as a young child, right, and my mom mm-hmm. also, even though she was pretty educated back mm-hmm. in Korea, she didn't speak the language, mm-hmm. she didn't speak English, and it's such a whole new system, so we're just relying on my father 100% who brought us to US so it really um things were difficult in Korea as it was Mm -hmm. uh and lack of resources but coming to US like even there were resources was it accessible to us right as Mm -hmm. a first generation immigrant um who Mm -hmm. um don't know how to speak the language, how to access. And later, um, working as a social worker and therapist, uh, I met a lot of domestic uh, violence victims and uh, who are Korean, right? Um, they were so afraid to reach out uh, for help. Uh, mm-hmm. There's deportation, like um, like how my dad made there mm-hmm. is. Like there's deportation fears, which is uh, not true because there are protective mm-hmm. laws around that if you're a victim. But people don't know that, right? So mm-hmm. uh, fear of deportation, and even they get help. Like, how are they gonna communicate what's happening to them, and how are they gonna start uh, build their life, especially if they don't know the language and culture, uh, or they're not com- comfortable, familiar, right? Um, like we live in Los Angeles, where we have a pretty large Asian population, and we have mm-hmm. some resources. Uh, but it's still really not enough, and um, and a lot of workers who work in that environment get burned out really, mm-hmm. really fast, and um, it's it's hard uh, um, having that resources kind of continue, and then being able to support the victims at, um, at times for that reasons. Yeah. Well, there's so many layers to this, and um, thank you for sharing. First of all, thank you for sharing your. Um, experience so openly and i hope that gives people courage um, to reach out for help 
Mm-hmm. Uh, how? I mean, you're you're talking about your own family, so I'm guessing you're at a place where that came to some kind of resolution. How did that happen? Yeah. Um. It took me a long time to make sense out of it. Uh, I did have friends who also experienced family violence growing up. So, mm. uh, especially in Korea, we lived uh, mm. not in a city and kind of outside of city. And and I I knew uh, my grandparents also had domestic violence, mm. uh, and especially my dad's side. Um, like this is where generational trauma also kind of weave into it because my dad's father um, was a very violent person. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was never violent to me, to his grandkids, but like I witnessed him being violent towards uh, my grandmother, right? Mm-hmm. And my dad, and then his children, my dad and my aunts. And my dad just grew up witnessing all those violence, right? Um, actually, uh, the violence was so bad towards my dad, but my dad um, uh, became uh, deaf one year. Um, I don't know wow. the specific um, mm-hmm. terms of it. Uh, and he, that was that, that was his life, right? That um, mm-hmm. like he grew up, so he kind of like uh, passed down to us. And my mom mm-hmm. also who grew up witnessing that mm-hmm. her father, you know, being violent towards her mom once in a while that like she mm. kind of kept it going and then she was she, you know back in the days they really thought she, my mom really thought it was the best for me and my sister to have a family because there was a lot of stigma around divorce as well right mm-hmm. so she just uh took that in um and what's the interesting thing is my dad um later when i became adult um and making a lot of boundaries around like no you cannot touch you cannot hit me you cannot yell at me you cannot speak to me that in certain ways mm-hmm. uh, and also my parents now are separated for their own mm. safety yeah I'm glad that it finally happened it just took a long time uh like we were able to have some conversation like it's not easy um but we're we were able to get to my mom and I were kind of able to get to is that my dad does feel guilty. There's a lot of shame around what he did. Uh, But at the same time, he is really stuck in his own trauma, like how he was hurt and how much his father was worse. So in some ways, he's like, oh, yeah, like you discipline your kids, you discipline your wife by violence. You know, you you don't listen to me, that kind of. Uh, thinking was in mm. him but also he was kind of making sense that um uh that it was better than his father because he didn't make anybody uh get injured uh, to the point um mm. so that was uh <laughs> that was a point i'm like okay so i guess that's where we um we're drawing line uh where um that's how how far my dad can go at this time. Uh, it's hard for Asian men, immigrant men uh, of his generation to go therapy. Uh, mm-hmm. Like that's not a that's not something he will dig into. It's too painful. It's too uh, deep. Um, so 
I I wish he will have some space to really find his, his own healing. Uh, but for me, like I have to make choice of like I I'm not gonna pass this down this intergenerational trauma, intergenerational violence. Um, mm-hmm. But unfortunately, my early you know early twenties, you know when I started dating, um, because I was so used to dynamics, right? Like that was kind of power and control. I have. You know, I haven't gotten like a physical violence kind of relationship dynamic, but definitely been into dynamics that reminded of my parents, like that power and control uh, wow. early on. And I had to really recognize that and break out of it because it felt so familiar to me, right? Those chaos. <laughs> and um, I like to talk about it with my clients sometimes. Like, yeah, that chaos sometimes can feel like a chemistry <laughs> because you feel like you, you're like, oh, it feels so right <laughs> because you're used mm-hmm. to it. But uh, you have to recognize it, uh, the patterns that you want to break out of uh, and uh, new relationships that you want to make. And sometimes that um, that uh, healthy relationship can feel boring or a healthy relationship can feel like weird because... Uh, it's not chaotic anymore. And that's something that uh, we have to talk a lot about in my domestic violence um, um, clients that I have because they will. it's just easier to go back to that relationship over and over again. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes those chaos are addictive interestingly mm-hmm. in, in, our, in our emotion, highs and lows. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very peculiar thing about our uh, human development that we there's a part of our emotional being and uh, neurology that is more comfortable with the familiar mm-hmm. even though it is not healthy yeah definitely and so whether that's uh family upbringing and unhealthy patterns of behavior or unhealthy ways of eating unhealthy ways of uh relating we, we don't know differently well, we haven't had the life experience of healthy living. And so, yeah, um, and that doesn't come until you are able to really reflect on it, become aware, mm-hmm. and realizing that there's other ways uh, of having relationships. And for generations, yeah. for my family, it's like they didn't mm-hmm. have that. So, that was mm-hmm. something that um, definitely was difficult for me. Um, mm-hmm. I, uh, working in domestic violence shelters and uh, that did yeah. help me to recognize some. Um, and now I'm a therapist and social worker. Yes. Uh, so uh, working in that industry, um, I was able to also recognize and also kind of like being stuck in the same patterns, right? It's not working. Uh, uh, and you have to, at one point, it's like, what is going on? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm so glad you're in a better place and you're experiencing health. Thank you for dedicating so much of your life to helping others as a social worker and now as a therapist. Um, and and we know it's hard work to heal. So sometimes people resist getting the help to heal because, uh, well, they don't know what it's like. Um, they have there's a shame of getting help or seeing a therapist, and then when it's really hard work, it's like, oh, they just want to give up, um, all kinds of dynamics like that. So 
it's it's common in therapy they they, they say um depression anxiety and some other mental illnesses but how how often do you come across people that are experiencing this kind of situation in their lives and uh, how do you encourage them to persist to grow and to get healthy um when I was working in domestic violence shelters, uh, mm-hmm. definitely saw <laughs> pretty much all my clients were experiencing domestic mm-hmm. violence or family violence. Now, in private practice setting, um, the number is less, uh, but still, I wouldn't say it's a low number. Um, it may be because I do uh, specialize in working with complex trauma mm-hmm. uh, and experiencing years of abuse violence like that does lead to complex trauma often um, yeah that's 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 what it's kind of called now in terms of mm-hmm. the impact of yeah. that kind of situation yes yeah uh so right now um before i was seeing more victims who are still in those dynamics or still uh, trying to get out initially right um i am uh, working a lot with children who grew up witnessing um, mm. domestic violence or experienced family violence or who have experienced intimate partner violence, uh, but it's not too recent. And then they're trying to make sense out of it, whether they're trying to break out of patterns, relationship patterns, or just trying to heal. Because um, when you grow up witnessing so much violence, it really, and then there's a lot of power and control, right? There's a lot of, you know, there's a often goes with gaslighting, emotional, mm. verbal abuse. Uh, it's never just physical violence, barely. And like really recovering from that, like how do you reclaim who you are again? Like how mm-hmm. do you learn to live without feeling like uh, you're you're nothing or not lovable, mm-hmm. all right? Or like and then physical or sexual violation is very, very a uh, deep violation. And uh, I feel like it's another taking you to another level of uh, can I be safe? Like people don't feel safe physically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, it takes time um, and takes many layers to heal from that. And a lot of times it's really helpful to know that you're not alone. Um, and then mm-hmm. there are support groups for people who are um, uh, who were, who are survivors of uh, domestic violence or family violence. Uh, but it is still very <laughs> shameful thing to talk about in fa- uh, Asian families. Um, so that has been really difficult. But yeah, it's like a healing circles, support groups, also learning the actually really learning the dynamics of domestic violence. And like why you you felt that way, or you uh, uh, internalize certain beliefs about you that are not healthy or they are not true about you, and they're really able to um, release them in some ways. Uh, being able to reclaim your identity, reclaim who you are, your life back. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, above all, like um, finding how do I feel safe again? Right, like I think. Mm-hmm victims of violence safety is the big thing they do not feel safe even even if they have moved away 
uh, from abuser. Abuser is nowhere uh, because it um, it was so real. And unfortunately, um, there's a higher risk, as you mentioned earlier, when these victims try to leave, the abuser can come back and uh, abuse more, which I definitely have seen. And a lot of domestic violence shelters, uh, they don't have a address. Like you will not know. So mm-hmm. when the victims call and they'll let you know how to get there, they're not going to tell you the address uh, mm-hmm. to protect the victims. And I remember we had a strict rule uh, for victims. You know, the the main rule living there was that you do not tell where you are to your victims. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you risk everybody's safety. Uh, so those are aspects that um, that can come out, yeah. Well, well, thank you for walking us through a, a pathway of recovery and how someone can go from a terrible situation in their family or with their relationships that may that are abusive or violent to one of healing and hope and restoration and safety that that is possible, and you've uh, laid down a good number of breadcrumbs. And the first step is really, um, I suppose, to reach out for help. Yeah, and... first step is reach out for help. Um, I do want to mention, uh, mm-hmm. you know, church, like a lot of Asian immigrants, especially being Korean-American, like Korean-Americans uh, traditionally have like big uh, church uh, um, immigrant society. Right? Mm-hmm. And it, I think it's really hard for the community pastor, you know, the church leader to address because some, my, my father was a well-liked person, you know, community member, church community member, right? Mm. And I, I heard from others too, like their, their, um, their abusers, like a deacon, even pastors sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like that becomes very, very difficult to address, right? Um, I don't have the whole answer. I, you know, this is something that I am still like, oh, how can church be better, um, be helpful for these victims? Um, mm-hmm. but you know, unfortunately, what I heard and myself heard, and some other victims that I have talked to, been told is, you know, just forgive the victim, the abuser. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I am unfortunately. Um I, I'm hearing that with second generation, third generation churches, like things are a little different, but definitely in immigrant immigrant first generation churches, like they had no idea what to do. And they rather not see it, ignore it, just tell uh, the victims to forgive, forget, or you know, do you know, family therapy mm-hmm. counseling to fix it. Um what um, there are um, now programs for uh, church leaders like how to address mental health issues along with like domestic violence issues. So um, kind of utilizing those programs. I know Korean American uh, Family Services, like they used to have mm. those programs. And I know other faith church communities are also having that. And uh, knowing that even you may not be aware, you may have victims in the church. Uh, like I remember my mother, um, her church, 
uh, she was in San Jose for a while. She used to go to this Korean immigrant church, and they had this great project, like learning how to do peer counseling. So mm. it was run by um, a psychologist, a uh, church member who was uh, kind of training the church community member to be peer counselor. Um, it was really great program, and my mom really enjoyed it. But uh, one of the one of the less talks that psychologists had was that um, they're addressing domestic violence, family violence, and kind of talked as if she doesn't understand why uh, victims stay, and she kind of talked down about the victims. Mm-hmm. And my mom just being there. Um, and there, I, I, and there's a lot more that I could go into, like why victims stay, which feels like I need to be another like episode. Uh, but like not assuming that uh, because they you don't know that uh, that may not be happening because we really don't know. And then, uh, yeah, my church didn't know what was happening for years. It was only when I spoke to my youth pastor, and then he went to my senior pastor which didn't lead anywhere because I was told that, you know, we just have to pray more and um, forgive uh, wasn't really helpful, unfortunately. And then, um, but like nobody knew and then people didn't know what to do. Um, But um, I I also knew in my youth youth group, there were other kids who were also experiencing that as well. Mm. Wow, such a complicated issue. And I'm I'm glad you're bringing some of it to light so that we can work towards more solutions because a lot more uh, help needs to happen. Um, the the other thing I hear in faith context is yeah, just forgive the person or oh, if you're abused, just leave. And it's not that simple. No, it's and, not. And so um, it takes all of us helping each other to really navigate the nuances and complexity of uh, violence in Asian American communities. So thank you for starting the conversation. And we invite people here on Erasing Shame to give us your feedback. We're hosted on Spotify now, so you can leave a comment or even a voice message. And we'll get that to Linda and continue this conversation and see what we could do together. And also at erasingshame.com, we'll add links in the show notes. So you can reach out to Linda if her story really resonated with you. She's available for therapy and she's got lived experience so as much as she's available she could connect you with resources and then i'll look up some additional resources that linda you mentioned yes like, uh, i will definitely you know, send it to you violence so. preventions program so that would be really really helpful yeah okay thank well you. thank you for tuning in to the erasing shame podcast linda it's been a joy connecting with you i'm so glad you're in a much better place in life and able to help others great connecting with you thank you so much the invitation thank you blessing to you bye 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 thank you for listening to the erasing shame podcast check out the show notes at erasingshame.com and subscribe to our email for updates we would love to hear from you so please add your comments at our website or on social subscribe on apple podcast spotify or any podcast app, and you can also subscribe on YouTube or follow on Facebook. Please add a rating and review so we can reach more people with our message of health, hope, and compassion. This podcast is the digital outreach of Christian Asian Mental Health.